Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn with me, if you would, this morning to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Praise God. Amen. Let's be praying for everybody who's on vacation, gets back from vacation, away for Labor Day, gets back. Our piano player is away. Thank God we had a, we had a, well, he used to be the main piano player, and then he became the backup when he went away, and then he was here last Sunday, and she was gone. Now, both of them were gone today, but uh, one way or another, we'll get music done, right? We'll just make a joyful noise unto the Lord. That's what we got to do. Praise God. The Lord loves to hear us praise Him and worship Him. Praise God. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Uh, I want to preach a message this morning entitled, Why Prayer Always Makes Sense. Why Prayer Always Makes Sense. There are times in our lives I know that when we uh, come into situations that are difficult for us and too hard for us to handle, we often find that we will abandon the place of prayer in favor of our own misery. Uh, maybe in favor of a phone call to somebody. Maybe we, you know, call up our best friend and we just moan and groan about our trouble and, you know, we, we cry and we do all of these things that our friend really can't help us to fix anything. They're just somebody on the other end of the line. It used to be an old song we used to sing years ago. It's an old camp meeting song. Call him up. Call him up. Tell him what you want. He is on the other end of the line, folks. God is not just sort of out there disinterested in what it is that you're dealing with and going through, but God is there at all times. In fact, there is, the book of Deuteronomy deals with the last days of Moses' life, and essentially Moses is recounting for the people of Israel all the things that had taken place. A, a generation had died in the wilderness, and now he's talking to the new generation that was about to go into the land and take possession of the land. God had specifically said that those who were 20 years old and older would not go into the land of Canaan, but those younger would be raised up, and they would be the ones to possess the land. And now Moses, the Bible lets us know, is, is along in years, and he is about ready to die, and so he's now pouring into this new generation what it is that they need to be concerned about, the things that they need to remember. And he touches on one vital point, that for any generation, whether it is the Israelites or whether, whether it is us now thousands of years later, those of us meeting together on this morning, on this day, one thing we have to remember is why prayer always makes sense. Now, you look throughout the Old Testament and throughout the New Testament, you will find men and women of God who prayed on a variety of occasions in a variety of circumstances, and there were things that they went through and they found the place of prayer. Can I encourage you today that regardless of how you feel, 
regardless of what it is that you're going through today, make it a point to pray first and then call a neighbor. Make it a point first to call upon God and cry out to the Lord because as we're going to read here in just a moment, we're going to find that God is not far from any one of us who call on Him. In fact, let's read it now, Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 7. The Bible says this, What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to Him? I want you to look at that again. We're going to read it again. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to Him? There are many religions in the world. There are many cults. In fact, I encountered one of those who uh, of the Jehovah's Witness cult came to our door the other day. And... Uh, I was actually outside, I was sitting outside studying and reading, and she came to the door and, and uh, happened upon me. I knew as soon as she walked up the way what, what was about to transpire, and I thought, Lord, you got to help me and give me grace. And the Lord helped me and give me grace. And, uh, but as it, in any, any religion, there are many religions of the world, there are many cults that believe in prayer. In fact... There are a lot of secular, you know, ways of life, secular philosophies that believe that it's even cathartic for people to pray, that it just sort of helps them unload things from their heart to just sort of pray. But can I encourage you today that what Moses is pointing out for those of us who are believers in Jesus Christ, followers of Jesus Christ, and we go after him with all of our heart, you have an advantage when you pray. It's not about catharsis. It's not about getting it off your chest. It is about taking your burden and putting it on to somebody else who is actually able to do something with that burden and carry it for you. There are some problems in life that plague you. There are some difficulties that you can't shake off. You know that when you wake up tomorrow morning, there are things that you might be going through that you know you're going to have to deal with. What are you going to do when you wake up tomorrow? You need to cast your cares, the Bible says, on Him because He cares for you. How many of us from time to time have ever unloaded our hearts onto somebody only to have that individual say, yeah, I don't know what to do with that. Or to just say, you know, well, well, that's life. And you come away feeling so empty. You just poured your heart out to somebody and you're expecting great wisdom. You're expecting somebody to just kind of, you know, tell you what you ought to do in the direction that you ought to go only to find that they got nothing to tell you. Listen, when we pray, when we call upon the Lord, the Bible lets us know here that God is always near His people. And because He is near us, we, He can take the burden off our shoulders as we pray and as we call upon Him. There are three reasons, though, why prayer always makes sense. The first one is this. The first reason is our possession. Our possession. 
Look at the wording. The, the Bible says in verse 7, the latter part of it, in the middle part of it, it says that the Lord our God is near us. It's not just some, you know, nebulous figure that's out there somewhere, but, but the Bible says here that He is the Lord our God. You might be sitting here today and you might be away from God. You say, that doesn't apply to me. I'm not really a believer yet. I, I don't really know the Lord yet, so I can't pray. Can I tell you that yes, you can. You absolutely can because the Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. All you have to do is call upon Him and cry out to Him. And the Bible lets us know that He will save you. And you can become known as His. And He can become known as yours. The possessive pronoun that is here, it is our God. The Lord our God is near us. Brothers and sisters, we have to remember that whatever we go through on a daily basis and Whatever struggles or trouble you might be faced with, you need to recognize that He is the Lord, your God. He hasn't bailed out on you because problems got too difficult. He hasn't said, you know, I, I just, I can't handle Bobby's trouble today. You know, Bobby, you just got too many difficulties. Too much for God. Too hard for God. I can't do it. No, God never does that to us, brothers and sisters. Your friends might do it. Your neighbors might do it. Your coworkers might do it. Your husband and wife might even do it. But you know what? God will never, ever look at you and say, that's just too heavy for me to be able to handle because there is nothing, nothing that is too hard for God. You need to see Him as the Lord, your God today. It's just not, you know, God who's out there somewhere. Not God who set the world into motion and then just stepped back and said, nothing more to do with it. No, God is absolutely present in your situation. He cares about you. He knows what you're going through. But I want you to see what else is in this, this tiny little phrase, the Lord our God, because it's so important for us to see what it is that God is able to do for us. Not only is He the Lord our God, and that possession is personal. That possession says he is my God. I can run to him at any time of day, any time of night, and he will hear me. But the Bible says he is the Lord. That word Lord shows his great power. That shows his supremacy over everything. We don't really, in our day and age, we don't really understand this title quite so much as Maybe many years ago, centuries ago, they understood the idea of a Lord as somebody who was over all, who had authority, who was supreme in their power and their ability. But it goes even beyond that on a human level because God is unlike us when it comes to ability, when it comes to power, when it comes to knowledge, because we know that the scripture reveals to us that he is all powerful, that he is all knowing. And as the Lord who is over all, he has all power in your situation. You don't have any, I don't have any, but God has all power in your situation to bring deliverance in your life, regardless of what you are dealing with and how bad things look today. God is still a God who is all-powerful. 
I, I, you know, I hate what Hollywood has done to most people's mentality about what the power of God versus the power of Satan. Uh, you know, back in the day when I was away from the Lord, uh, every now and then I would I'd go to a friend's house and though I didn't really like them as a kid or as a, as a young person, as a teenager, but they put on a horror flick, you know? The, the horror movies. And uh, I can remember after this one particular event going home and laying awake all night long. And I just sat there and I thought, not only could I get a knife through my back, but, you know. <laughs> but, you know, there, there is the element of the evil that is there that somehow that the devil is more powerful or at least he is equal in his power with God. And that could not be further from the biblical truth that we understand from the Word of God. The Bible lets us know that the devil is limited in power, but God is all-powerful. That the devil cannot be everywhere at the same time, but God can be everywhere at the same time. The devil is not even all-knowing, folks. He doesn't know everything that there is to know about you, but God knows everything, and so therefore we can trust that if we are believing and hoping in the Lord and we are casting our cares on Him and we are coming to Him and saying, You are the Lord. You are the supreme creator of the world. I will trust in you and you alone. Brothers and sisters, no devil in hell can do anything to stop it. A lot of times we give the, more, you know, we give the devil more credence than he is, he's really supposed to be getting. In the end, God is all-powerful. God is the one who is in control. The Bible says that He is the Lord. And think about that for a minute, how powerful, how strong, how supreme He is. And yet, Moses says to the people, He is the Lord our God. Oh, thank God. Thank God He is the Lord our God. We don't have to run after some other solution, try to find some other thing that's going to fix our problems, but instead, this is why prayer always makes sense. Because He is our God and He is the Lord our God. We can run to Him no matter what we are going through and find somebody who's big enough to be able to handle it. I don't, it doesn't really matter what kind of bullying the devil has done in your life. How many of you have ever encountered bullies in your life? How many of you are so far removed from the bullies that you can't remember? No, I'm kidding. Um, I, I can remember, I can remember, in fact, one particular time on the school bus as a kid. On my way to school, I think it was maybe in third grade, I, I don't know what it was, but we all kind of went to school at the same time. My brother, Norman, who is about six years older than I am, and he is now, uh, he's a pastor in Pennsylvania, has been a pastor for many years. He loves the Lord, and he's a good brother. But on that day, and I'll make sure I send this podcast to him, on that particular day, my older brother was not a good brother because there was a bully on the bus, and the bully was out to get me. And I remember saying to, my, to the bully, like a, like a little kid that I was, I remember saying to this bully who was much bigger than I was, 
He could have squashed me like a bug on that bus. And he, I remember saying to him, oh, yeah, well, you know what I'm going to. And I pointed to my brother who was on the bus at the time, literally like one or two seats by me. I said, yeah, well, you know what? My brother's going to take care of you. And my brother at that moment looked at me and said, don't look at me. <sighs> you see, the things I've had to deal with in prayer over my life. As the baby brother, forsaken. <laughs> See, you know, I was expecting somebody who was bigger than me to rise to the occasion to help me. And he didn't. Now, not much happened. I don't remember. I think it was all just words that were exchanged. And I got off the bus so quickly and ran the other direction to my third grade classroom, whatever it might have been. And he went off to sixth grade or seventh. I don't know what he was in. But they went the other way and nothing really happened. But I was expecting that when I was bullied that I could go to somebody who was going to help me. On that particular day, nobody helped me. But you know what? It's not like that with God. You can always know that when the devil shows up and says, you know what? I'm going to take you out. I'm going to bully you a little bit. You better watch out because I'm bigger than you. I'm stronger than you. And, and what kind of God do you serve? Don't think for a minute that God is ever going to be able to help you. You remember the letter from Sennacherib, King Sennacherib of Assyria to Hezekiah. And he, the letter was read in the hearing of all the people. And, and not only did Sennacherib make light of Hezekiah as a king, but you know what? He began to degrade the God of heaven. He began to degrade him and say, you know what? Think about all the gods of the other nations. I have wiped them out. None of their gods could save them. Don't think for a minute that your God can ever do anything to me. The devil comes along and he bullies and he says, there's no way that God can help you. There's no way that God is ever going to make you rise above this circumstance. But you know what, brothers and sisters? The one thing about that story is this. Hezekiah went before the Lord. He laid that letter before the Lord and he began to pour his heart out to God and he prayed. And he said, God, I can't do anything to save us from this situation. You've got to read this letter. Lord, go ahead, take a read. Look at what it says, Lord. I, you've got to just come into this situation. And you know what, brothers and sisters, when he went into the presence of the Lord, the deal was done because God began to move behind the scenes. He began to change the situation. You know why? Because God is not afraid of the bully. He's bigger than the bully and he is able to come into that situation regardless of how bad it is. And he is able to change it for his people and make it come about so that you walk out victorious. This is why prayer always makes sense. You have somebody who is on your side. Somebody who is on your side. Prayer always makes sense because not only of our possession but because of our position. Our position. I want you to see this. The verse of Scripture that we read in Deuteronomy 4 and verse 7 says, What other nation is so great to have their gods near them? The way the Lord our God is near us. Is near us. This, I want you to see this. This was something that God initiated. It didn't say that that, you know, you've gotten really close to God and you've gotten so close to Him, you came so close to Him that He can't avoid helping you. No, this indicates, and this seems to, to give the idea and the sense that God is the one who came near. 
And brothers and sisters, that means all the difference in the world because, you know, it lets us know that the grace of God was alive and well in the Old Testament because who comes near to, to imperfect humanity? If you're absolutely holy, why in the world would you do that other than if you love them? Other than if you wanted to show favor to them, you wanted to help them, you wanted to minister to them. And the Bible says that the Lord is near us. It was something that God decided he was going to come close to his people. He knew what his people were like. He knew they were a bunch of complainers, that they were a bunch of grumblers. He knew that they at one point had said, even though he had divided the Red Sea, they walked through on dry ground, the Egyptians got drowned, they watch it all happen behind them, they get through to the other side, and he knew that not three days later they were going to be saying, well, we had it better back in Egypt. Moses, what'd you do? Bring us out here in the wilderness to die. He knew. He knew that they were like that. He knew that from time to time, you and I lack faith, that we doubt, that we come into a place of prayer. We, we're praying, but we're praying fatalistic prayers rather than faith-filled prayers. That when we pray, we come before the Lord and we somehow think that God's not going to do it. We pray, but we say, you know, in the back of our minds, we're not going to reveal it, but yeah, I doubt it's ever going to happen. And that whole time, what we have to remember is is that even in our doubt, the Lord is near us. Just recently, I talked about Peter. Just last Sunday, I talked about Peter and how it was that Peter walked on the water. And when all of a sudden Peter got, you know, he got close to Jesus, but he took his eyes off Jesus. And he doubted. He was afraid. He saw the winds and he saw the waves and he began to sink. We pointed out the fact that Jesus didn't take his hand on his head and dunk him a couple of times. Just to let him know who's boss. Let him know, you know, you big, you know, big dummy, you shouldn't have doubted. He didn't do that. He reached down his hand because he is near us. He reached down his hand and he picked him up. God put up with his people, Israel. He put up with them even though they doubted him, even though they came to him in unbelief, even though they complained and they grumbled. God dealt with them in patience. And brothers and sisters, you need to know that when the Lord is near us, he is near us, dealing with our our doubts and our fears and our frustrations and all of the things that we begin to think that somehow God's not going to do anything. God puts up with it all because he loves us and he is near us to help us and to bring us along. He is near us. He is the one who initiated it, not you. God is the one who came close to mankind. I love the fact that when Adam and Eve sinned, after they had sinned, the Bible says that they heard the Lord walking in the cool of the the day in the garden. God didn't have to show up at that point. There were only two people. God could have said, done with you. Let's do this thing over again. In fact, there were times in Scripture where it seemed he would do that again to humanity, but he didn't. He could have taken them out in that moment, but instead, you know what God did? In his mercy, in his grace, in his love, all the way back in the book of Genesis, we see the grace of God where the Bible lets us know that he came down. 
He didn't have to come down, but he did because he wanted to be near his people. It was God initiated the idea of being near to you. Listen, you need to pray. You need to read your Bible. You need to do all of those things. But you know what? Remember this, that as you draw closer to the Lord, the Bible says that he will draw near to you. He will get close to you. You need to get close to him. Yes, we need to show him how much we love him by reading and praying and spending time with him. But you know what? In the end, God is going to come near to you each and every time because He loves you. This shows us the favor of God. David put it this way. He says, Lord, what is man that you're mindful of him? What is man that you're mindful of him? What are we really? You know, I realize that the idea of the modern philosophy is we're all just good. And yet, the book of Isaiah records there's none good. Then it's repeated again in Romans. There's no one good, not one. Now, I realize they're good people, they're nice people. But you know what? When it comes to the sin issue, there's none good. You might meet an individual who's respectful. You might meet an individual who was raised right and has manners. That's good. But it doesn't mean the sin issue on the inside has been taken care of and therefore not good. Brothers and sisters, we have to understand that in the midst of how bad we as human beings can be, God shows His favor. And this shows His favor to Israel. He didn't have to deal with Israel in this way. He did not have to put up with Israel when they were mumbling and grumbling and complaining and murmuring and going against God and doing all the things that they were doing and showing their lack of, uh, of faith and, and their unbelief was rising to the surface and they wanted to kill Moses and Aaron and all the leadership that had brought him out of Egypt. He didn't have to put up with them, but he did. Why? Because of his grace, his favor. He is near us imperfect humanity he's near you how many of you think you're perfect today (laughs) thank you me neither (laughs) there isn't anybody in this building today who's got it just all together and all going on none of us but you know what the bottom line is this in spite of our weaknesses in spite of our frailties in spite of our failures he's near us we don't deserve the good gifts that he has given, and yet he gives it anyway. The people of Israel didn't even deserve to have another generation come after them who would go in and possess the land. You know why? Because the Bible lets us know that when they went in and possessed the land, there were times where they disobeyed God in that new land. And then forget it, the generation that came after them, you read in the book of Judges that there was a generation that arose that did not know the Lord or the works that He had done for Israel, and they strayed far away from God. There were times of great disobedience and, and, and just degradation and sin, and God didn't have to put up with it, but He did. This is why it's so wonderful to know that the Lord is near His people, He is near us, even though He doesn't have to be. There's one final thing. Why prayer always makes sense. And it is this. Our power. What is our power in this situation? We've been talking about God's power. We've been talking about His his nature. 
His attributes, those attributes of God that are solely and completely and totally His. The omniscience, the all power, the, all of that. And yet, here is the great power that God gives to us. And it is this. Let's read the verse one more time. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them? The way the Lord our God is near us. Whenever we pray to him. I want us to get a hold of this this morning because it is vital. Don't think of prayer as just sort of unloading your trouble. Think of it as the power line connecting to the power source. It is this outlet over here has power running to it. But there's nothing connected. There's nothing there. there everything is, is unplugged from this outlet. But if I were to take something, anything that needs power and I were to plug it in, that is the idea of prayer. It is taking and plugging into a power source that is greater than yourself. But nonetheless, when, when that occurs, then the unit, whatever needs to be powered now, has power power surging through it. It has power to operate, power to do something, power to make a difference. This sound system is plugged in. You could, well, you probably still could hear me without the microphone this morning, but you, you plug it in and now I'm really loud, you know? It's just, that's the way it is. But it's not the sound system that has the ability. It is the electrical current that is running into the building. It is the source of power. Brothers and sisters, when we pray, when we call upon God, we receive power when we plug into Him and we get into His presence and say, Lord, I've got to have more of you today. And when you call upon Him and you say, God, I need more of you, He's going to pour more of Him into you on that particular day and give you the power that you need. We have got to learn to plug into the power source. Listen, folks, prayer is not just so that you can just walk away. Whew, feel good. Not about you feeling good. It's about us making a difference in the world that we live in. It's about us coming out of the place of prayer and making a change in the world that we live in. Being able to have the power to rise above the trouble and the pain and the frustration of it all. To be able to walk on the water as it were and be able to make it to Jesus and say, Lord, I'm trusting in you no matter what. He is near us. But he gives great power, the Bible says, whenever we pray to him. You ever have something work for you one day and then not the next? I know that it's, it's an incredibly frustrating thing. Uh, maybe you've had a friend who, you know, would listen to you one day and then all of a sudden, the next day, they're just so not interested in what you have to say. Probably more than anything else, that's frustrating. Because you don't know when you can go to them and when you can't. You know, how many of you have ever been in a bad mood? Oh, come on, stop your lying. <sighs> it's the house of God. You know, we're supposed to be telling the truth. All right, we've been in a bad mood, all right? Sometimes we're, yeah, it's not some, sometimes it's not sometimes. 
And sometimes we're just always in a bad mood, foul mood. You know, you get in a bad mood, and somebody wants to come along, they want to tell you some stuff, and, you know, uh, your bad mood, you can't hide it. You can't hide it. You're not a good hider. You just don't want to hear it. You know, I've got my own trouble today. And they get the very, you know, you might not say it, but they get the sense, can't tell them anything today. Can I let you know God never wakes up in a bad mood because he doesn't ever have to wake up, but he doesn't, he is never ever in a bad mood. He never is in a position of not wanting to hear it from you. Never ever. He is never in the state of saying, I, you know what, I can't hear that now. Have you ever had somebody say, I can't hear that right now? But I want to talk. I want to get it off my chest. I want to do all that. You you want to do all that? You know what? Go to the Lord. Go to the Lord. He will never, brothers and sisters, ever come to you and say, you know what? I I don't want to hear it right now. But the Bible says whenever we pray, whenever we come to Him, He always has a listening ear. He is always wanting to hear what you have to say. It doesn't matter how bad it is. You can run to Him. You read the Psalms and you realize, man, David David said some stuff to God. That most of us look at it and we say, David said that? You know, wasn't David, you know, weren't you, you know, you love the Lord and everything. You shouldn't talk like that. God does not get put out by what we tell him. God doesn't say, you know what, can you please, please don't talk like that. You're supposed to be a Christian. Whenever. I'm frustrated. Go to the Lord. I'm mad. Go to the Lord. I'm happy. I don't need God. Oh, yes, you do. You better go to the Lord. You better go to the Lord. You say, I got everything together. Woo, thank God. It bad economy, but my bank account's full. Praise God. I don't. You better be praising God. You better get into the presence of the Lord. Go to God no matter what. And the Bible says that he is near us whenever we pray. To him. Notice the direction of the prayer, and this is where it's important. This is what differentiates the, the, the believer in Christ from those of all other religions of the world who say, well, We're just going to pray. The direction of your prayer is to somebody who is alive and well and able to help you. It's not to a dead God, it's not to an imaginary God, it's not to somebody who just has been made up. And I realize that much of, of what the world tends to believe regarding Christianity is, well, just all man-made. No, it's not. It's God-made. God breathed. The Bible says God breathed into mankind. And, and here's what we have. We have the Scriptures to show us the way to salvation. This is God. This is God. This is what He made up. This is what He brought to us. This is His revelation of Himself to us. And the Bible says that we pray to Him. We're not just praying as in get words out in the room so that I feel better about myself and walk out of that place feeling a little bit lighter, but instead it is praying to somebody who is able to step into time and space and do something about your trouble and about your problem. You are praying to Him. Listen, I realize today that you might have come into this building 
feeling and sensing in your heart things aren't right, not sure what to do. But can I tell you today that prayer for you always makes sense. It always makes sense to pray. Not so that you come away feeling as though you just got something off your chest, but that something has actually changed in your life. That God has shown up in your situation. And He is here to help you. You see, for those who choose not to pray, for those who just say, well, I hope it works out, you're, you're putting your hope in something that is fatalistic. There's just, you, you know, you're, you're not trusting in the one who can help you. But when you take time and say, Lord, I'm coming to you, I need you. I, I confess my need for you today. I need you to come into my situation and change what it is that's taking place. Brothers and sisters, Scripture reveals to us that He is near us whenever we pray. That whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Not just salvation of the soul, but saved in whatever situation you might find yourself in. Don't ignore the place of prayer. Because when life isn't fair, when problems are too big and things are just getting out of hand and chaotic and crazy, prayer is the one thing that's going to keep you focused. It's the one thing that's going to keep you focused on the only one who can take care of your trouble. The Bible says, and I talked about this on, on Tuesday night, in the book of Hebrews, it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Faith, the only way for us to fix our eyes on Him is to continually come to Him in prayer. When all you're doing is looking at your trouble, how are you going to fix your eyes on Him? You've got to take time to pray and say, Lord, I'm going to believe in You. I'm going to trust in You. I'm going to hope in You. And Lord, I'm running to You right now. And Lord, it may not be pretty what I'm feeling in my heart, but God, I know You can handle ugly. You can handle how ugly it is. You can handle how bad I feel. You can handle the trouble of my life. Brothers and sisters, this is why prayer makes sense in our lives. Can we stand to our feet today?